0: is not a person who has said a prayer, walked down an aisle, had a tremendous emotional experience, or has been raised in a Christian family. That's not what a Christian is. Each and all these things can be part of a Christian's experience, but they are not what makes a Christian. I'll never forget squaring off with a neighbor I had in Kansas, and wonderful man, uh, I wanted to know if he was a Christian so I could make myself get along with him. (laughs) And uh, he told me he was always a Christian, born that way, lived that way, and planned on dying that way. And I've done whatever I could ever since then and bring him up in prayer to the Lord so that one day he'll really know what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is not someone who simply knows that Jesus Christ died for his sins. Christian is someone who simply trusts that Jesus Christ died and paid the price for his salvation. It's a personalized experience with Jesus Christ that you enter in on many different levels. I don't care how you're brought to that attention that you need Christ, the Bible's very open about different ways to come to know Christ, to know of Him. But it's establishing that relationship with him, accepting what he did on the cross for your sins, what Jesus Christ did personally for each one of us. And understanding it helps to understand that the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you, and by that you're made a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And we're going to use 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's the first portion of scripture you'll go to. The portion of scripture I wanted to open up with, but in my introduction, is James 2.19. It says in James 2.19 that the devils believe there is one God, but tremble. Just simply knowing the story is not enough for salvation. I've known people that have known the story, repeated the story to others, and seen results of those people that it was told to, those people got saved. Later on, the person who told the story, knew the story, but didn't understand the story, had to come to a point where they accepted Christ as their personal Savior and realized it wasn't an action that they had taken, but it was an action that was taken for them. It was Jesus Christ who died for them. You're simply saying thanks. You're simply saying thanks. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. You can't lose that salvation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The verse is 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Not some things, not just a little bit, not just part of you. All things have become new. It's, for your, it's your opportunity to grasp that everything is new. It's, your, uh, it's up to you to grasp that you are a new creature in Christ. When you become a new creature in Christ, the devil can't destroy you. He can ruin your testimony. He can make you think you're dead. He can take away everything you have. But like Job, he can't touch you. You are a new creature in Christ. I've dealt with men all over the world in the regards of knowing Christ and accepting Christ. And once you understand you're a new creature, you have an obligation to yourself to expect more from yourself. Oh, I remember of a fellow once, he uh, I think I've shared this story. He stood in front of me in the jail, and he had two black eyes, almost a broken arm, all swelled up. Fingers and knuckles were all scun up and in tears. He said to me, he said, I went to drinking again. Well, I had known he accepted Christ as his personal Savior just a few weeks before. But he went back to the old ways, to the old people, to the old lifestyle, and someone picked a fight with him. And you know how I knew he was saved, not because he had fallen from Not grace, so to speak, but he'd fallen from obedience to God, that's for sure. He wasn't in fellowship with him for a brief moment. But when he was all done, with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm glad I'm in jail now. Because in here, I have victory over alcohol. His insides were changed. He knew he was a new creature, and he knew he needed God's help to get control over that new nature, to sub to give himself to God, and he won a reprieve there in the prison, in the jail. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. All things have become new. All things become new. A Christian is not simply an approved person in Christ. For a Christian, to lose his salvation, a new creation would have to be destroyed. The devil can't destroy you. So once you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You're you're an indestructible individual in spiritual terms. Now, I use that term destructible loosely. The devil can lead you into temptation or tempt you, but you are not to be tempted that beyond which you're able. Jesus Christ will personally help you overcome those temptations. But if you succumb to them, you will pay the penalties for them. But The devil's merely out to destroy your testimony. He's not, he can't destroy you. So you're a new creature in Christ and you have to recognize that you've been redeemed. The second point I'd like to bring to your attention is a Christian is redeemed. For as much as you know you are redeemed with with corruptible things, not with corruptible things. Let me go to Mark chapter 7. Let me see here. No, First Peter one eighteen and nineteen is what I'm reading. For as much as you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with per- the precious blood of Christ, of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's First Peter one eighteen and nineteen. What I what I uh, have underlined in my notes here is Mark. I uh, have received. From the traditions of your fathers. So that kind of just jumped out at me. What's that all about? The traditions of your father, you know what Jesus Christ says about traditions? Let's go to Mark 7 7 through 9. Matthew, Mark is the second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter 7. And we'll read 7 through 9. We'll see what Christ thinks about traditions. Mark chapter 7, 7 through 9. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines, the commandments of men, laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold to traditions of men, as of washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you keep your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And he goes on to the statement of Corban, which is a term for uh, annulling the commandments and going back to traditions in in short. But the traditions of men, I've seen people get converted. I've seen people on the verge of knowing Christ as their personal Savior. And they come right to the edge or else they do establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then they go back to the traditions of men. How many people do you know that say, oh, I'll, I, I I got saved. Yeah, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior, but then I went back to my home church. I went back to my home uh, town. I worship in the town closest to me and the church closest to me. We have that right here on the island. Churches that aren't doctrinally sound, they still go to, even though they've accepted Christ as their personal Savior. They're... Taken and spending time learning and understanding and practicing the traditions of men. Now, they're not lost. They're saved. They know Christ is their personal Savior. But we have a duty to be separate from some of those places and some of those people in order to show the people the right way. So that's why we're not ecumenical. That's a fancy term for a universal church here on this planet. And so... uh you cannot lose your salvation by following the traditions of men, but you certainly won't be a testimony of your salvation to others. A Christian can be uh, is for as much as you know you are redeemed with corruptible not with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. With the precious blood, I know this too much by her, without blemish and without spot. Redeem means to purchase, being made, a price being paid. Something must die for something to live. We've talked about that before. Can you think of anything that lives without something else that dies? I come to that term when I raised beef in Kansas. They had to eat grass. Something died for that beef to live. When you eat at your breakfast table, something died for you to live, whether it was the wheat in the Wheaties or the beef on your table. Redeemed, you've been redeemed. Jesus Christ died so that you could live. And so that's a law of nature. That's a law of God. We were purchased at the cost of Christ's death. He died for us to live. Now, you can't lose that. You've been paid for. Christ died, the, the one who made the universe, sacrificed his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you think he's going to sell that out? Do you think he's going to give that up? For a Christian to lose salvation, God himself would have to revoke the purchase of the individual for whom he paid with the precious blood of Christ. Oh, I'm going to take that back doesn't happen. doesn't happen. We're in a contractual relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing is we can't fulfill our side of it. But him in his perfection and in his goodness fulfills his side maximus. So, a Christian is a Christian can't lose his salvation because all things become new. A Christian can't lose his salvation because he's redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. A Christian is justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter five, verse one. Strive for that peace. Sometimes it comes rather easily, but you want real peace? Start reading your Bible about ten o'clock at night. You'll fall asleep, <laughs> but you'll receive peace. A uh, Christian is justified through being, uh, through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, to be justified is truly righteous. Justification means just as if you've never sinned. That's just a simple uh, definition or a simple way to remember it. You've been justified by Jesus Christ. You've been justified by the blood of Christ. You've gotten peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1, righteousness simply is right before God. Not self-righteousness. Right, Self-righteousness is right in your own eyes. True righteousness is right in God's eyes. For a Christian to lose salvation means that God would have to go back on his word. Titus 3.1, in hope of eternal life, which God... That cannot lie, hath promised before the world began. The plan of salvation was laid out before this universe was created. The plan of salvation, well, specifically before the world was even created. The universe, I don't know how much of it was already made, but I believe most of it wasn't made before God figured out the plan for each one of us to come to terms with him, for the opportunity for each one of us to come to terms with him. And as we react to that opportunity, he seizes that moment and we become a child of the king. Do you ever wonder why it says you shall, not, you shall be born again? Jesus Christ in John chapter 4 talked about you must be born again. That's where we get that term from, born again. And in the very chapter before that, John chapter 3 talks about you must be saved well, those are two terms we throw around. You're saved from what? You're saved from hell. You're born again to what? You're born again as a child of the King. Being born is something you can't undo. And that's why you're a son of the King. You can't be. You can be. You can be disowned by your heavenly, earthly father, but you're never going to be disowned by your heavenly Father. You might fall out of relationship with your earthly father, and you could fall out of relationship with your heavenly father. You could be backslid, they like to call it. You could be out of a a real workable relationship with him. And David himself did that. He was a man after God's own heart. Psalms 51 justifies that. People often who like to say you can lose your salvation will go to Psalms 51, but it says in Psalms 51, David says, renew unto me the joy of my salvation. He doesn't say renew unto me my salvation. Pardon? Yeah, yeah, what Bible you're reading. Uh, We use the King James here because we believe that's the one that God wrote for us in English. Now, I've had the opportunity to preach around the world, and uh, it's not always the King James Bible around the world. I stood in in a village in Africa with the king of the village, and he was literally the king of 11 different villages. And he had no qualms about being called king. This was only about 15 years ago. And he said, and he had a stack of Bibles behind him. He says, you are one of them independent Baptists. And I says, I wanted permission to go to his villages and talk to different people about Jesus. He had no problem with that. He had many missionaries come through. But he, what he asked me for was a King James Bible when he was done. He says, I got these. I want that King James Bible. He wasn't, he, and he spoke pretty good English. But he knew that was the complete, the final, and absolute. He's seen the ones pass through with the other ones. He had a pile of them already. But he wanted a King James Bible. Praise God he got one. And I figure that went a lot further than anything else I could give him. I gave him the Word of God. That's the privilege we have as Christians to give the Word of God. A Christian is justified, he's redeemed. For a Christian to lose salvation means God would have to go back on his word. And Jesus doesn't lie. For in hope, uh, Titus 3 1 says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So if you said you lost your salvation and you truly accepted him as your personal savior, we'll deal with that in just a moment. You're calling God a liar to begin with. Because he said, if you should confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him. Uh, from the dead. I should go to Romans 10.9. Let's go there. Romans 10.9. This is what's involved with salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. book of Romans was written to mankind. The middle word in Romans is man. And it says but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on the wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, what is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, what is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which, is which we preach. Well, That's what we preach here, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, comma, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You want to get right with God, it has to take place in your heart, not in your head. Famous message some of you have told me about, and I had the privilege to listen to once myself. 18 inches from salvation. A lot of us end up, 18 inches from salvation, from here to here. You can know the story. The devil knows the story. But do you believe in that story? Do you take action upon that story? Do you put your trust in that story? Sort of like, well, I, and I had individuals, oh, I I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, but I'm, I'm still trying to be good so I can get to heaven. I just don't think it completes the whole thing. Uh, My brother, who was a Jesuit priest, very familiar with the Word of God, sat with me and we discussed that. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I said, I got him. I got him. He knows Christ. He knows that Jesus died. But he died for my original sin, the sin of Adam and Eve. And now I have a chance to earn my way to heaven. Because the good is going to outweigh the bad. And we're back to that scale. And we're back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now what is a gift? It's something you don't earn. It's given to you freely. You look it up in the dictionary. It talks about someone who receives something for nothing. If it's a gift, you can't, it's a gift you can't even give back. You can renounce it, but it's still yours. I got things sitting around the house that I gave to my grandsons. They're going to pick up what I am did, but they know it's theirs. I got a pair of match pistols. Brother uh, Jay seen them, trying to get him to pay attention. <laughs> and uh, they... uh they're waiting for me. No, they're not waiting for me to die. My grandson says, I don't want it, Grandpa. If that's what I got to wait for. It's still his. I says, anytime you really need it, it's yours. It's yours. Can't renounce it. He's always going to be my grandson. I gave one to my steps, or my, I want to say stepson, foster son, my youngest son, Daniel. He's in prison right now. He's still got the gift. It's his. He gets out, it's his. That's how we work with God. He keeps giving. He keeps giving. Let's keep reading. Ah, uh, a Christian is justified. A Christian cannot lose his salvation because God does not go back on his promise. He does not lie. Christian is promised eternal life. For God so loved the world. We read that. Let's go here's the here's the here's the preposition. Preposition, but I'll give you the promise in just a minute. For God so loved the world he gave his only begot his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John three sixteen. And I put a little plus. I like to do these uh, uh like they do in algebra. First John two twenty five. Go to first John two twenty five. First John two twenty-five. 1 John 2.25 says, And this is the promise, that he hath promised us even eternal life. God's promised you that. So when you, I got a friend, he's a a cement contractor. And I wish he was up here. In fact, we just talked to him the other day, and he says it'll be a cold day where I'm at before I get up there. But uh, he, he was saved. He's got a dear, wonderful wife that's saved. But the devil's robbed him of the assurance of his salvation. Him and I worked hand-in-hand doing contract work for uh, cement work and stuff like that, and worked in churches, Did did it for free. He's a waste right now as far as accomplishing anything for God because he thinks he lost his salvation. He doesn't think God keeps his promises. That's what you're saying when you say you lost your salvation. That's one reason God can take the wicked and the most vile person and bring them back to him. You, he made a promise. I fall short of my promises a lot of times, but God doesn't. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. God's promise, believe in you will have eternal life. Eternal life, the possess, promise of spending forever in heaven with God. Gave, freely transfer of possession, something to someone. Gift, a thing given willingly to someone without payment, a present. Something you haven't earned. He gave you a gift. You can throw it back at him, but he will, uh, he'll still keep his side of the bargain. Now, there are people that do that. A Christian is marked by God and sealed by the Holy Spirit. A Christian is justified, a Christian is promised eternal life, a Christian has is a new creation, a Christian is redeemed, a Christian is marked by God and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, towards the back of your New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 13 and verses 13 and 14 Paul an example of a person who eventually came to terms with Christ as his personal savior Ephesians chapter 1 13 and 14 I'm gonna start in oh I think I'm going to start I'm going to start in verse eight wherein he that's Christ hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in all in In one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be in the praise of the glory of. Who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye have heard the word of truth and the gospel of salvation, in whom after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption, on the purpose, the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, no matter how small or how significant it was to you personally, it was very significant to God the Father because at that moment you thanked him for his son's death on the cross for his sins. And the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you and seal you from those attacks of the devil that would utterly destroy you spiritually. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit but you have to yield to God to keep that as part of your life. At the moment of your faith, a new Christian is sealed with the Holy Spirit who was promised to act as a guarantee of our heavenly entrance. You see, when you get to the heaven, there's going to be two intercessors there. This sets you up for one of my favorite jokes. Some of you have heard it already. Jesus Christ is called an intercessor in Scripture, and so is the Holy Spirit. And both of them intercede in our behalf. So when you stand at the judgment seat of God, Jesus Christ is going to say, he's, he's a son. He's got my last name. The Holy Spirit's going to testify to that. The Holy Spirit's going to say, Yeah, I was with him. I helped him as much as I could. But nobody could take it away. Which sets you up for the, my favorite joke about how Jesus Christ intercedes for us—that's common knowledge. If you study Scripture, He's also in heaven preparing a place for us. Where I'll be, at scripturally, in a couple hours with Brother John, John's uh, celebration of life. So Jesus Christ says, "Behold, I go and prepare a place for you." And he, he's building something for us. So he's got those two jobs. He's interceding on our behalf, and he's building a place for each one of us in eternity. That was set. And when I die, I'm going to be up. I get up there. I'm looking forward to a, a tent. Why? Because I know he's been interceding on my behalf so much, he's not got much time to build anything else. <laughs> so, uh... I just feel that way now. I can't find a lot of scripture for that, but a Christian cannot lose his salvation. A Christian cannot be on newly created. He can't be unredeemed. He can't be unpurchased. purchased. He can't have eternal life taken away from him. He cannot be eternal life can't be temporary. God cannot renege on his word. He can't lie about it. Scripture says that God cannot lie. So what has he promised you? Eternal life. And the reason he holds that carrot out in front of us, not the fact that we have an opportunity to get eternal life, like some churches, some denominations procrastinate or project. He holds a carrot out for us. You'll be in heaven one day, and you won't have to put up with any of this malarkey here on this planet. You'll be away from all those things. You won't have those temptations. We talked last week about what heaven's going to be like for the Christian. Imagine a world without sin. Imagine, and then we talked about how you would look as a Christian. We're going to be able to recognize one another in heaven. We went over that scripturally. But imagine how you'd look without sin in your life. Imagine how you'd look. God's a wonderful God. These things, in 1 John five thirteen, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know you ye have eternal life, and that you may believe in on the name of the Son of God. So, can a Christian you lose his salvation? Well, Christ goes on, and we'll argue the points here, and a next time we're together, I don't plan on it being relatively soon, but we'll argue some more points about can a Christian lose his salvation. But the first step you need to do is is try to get saved. And you don't have to try to get saved. You just have to accept salvation. You just have to open your arms and your heart to Jesus Christ being part of your life. He promises to be there. He promises to do the rest. As you yield to him, he will make you successful. I stand before you as proof of that. I'm no better than anyone else. I'm as as unrighteous as anybody else. But yet God has used me over the years to help others come to Christ. And I revel in that privilege. And I'd like you to be able to experience some of the joy and some of the peace you can have in your life as you, first off, come to terms with Jesus Christ in his relationship with you, and then develop that relationship. God's a wonderful God.